a new generation of smart glasses from Vuzix. Welcome back to Textination. I'm Fred Fishkin. We're happy to have the president and CEO, Paul Travers, joining us once again. Hi, Paul. Hey, Fred. How are you, man? Glad to be on again, by the way. Thank you. Well, Vuzix is a company that's been around for 25 years. We spoke to you earlier this year about the Vuzix Shield smart glasses, and now come the Vuzix Blade 2. What's the focus on here, Paul? So the the blade, so first of all, the blade's been in the marketplace now shipping maybe for a couple of years, I guess. I, I'd have to go back and look at the exact date when it started, but it's got a lot of following. Um, unfortunately, it has a processor that's old, the original blade. Maybe that thing is, geez, six years old. And the operating system that was running is an older, outdated operating version of Android. There's a bunch of things about it that kind of needed upgrading. So the Blade 2, because there's so many folks that are wanting to deploy now, they, they need to have newer OSs for the security patches, everything about IT to get it right. They needed the, the better Wi-Fi. So we've got a upgraded processor that's now in Blade 2. Um, it has updated Wi-Fi capabilities. It's the processor itself is running on a, on a small, smaller pitch um, processes. So the power consumption is less on Blade 2. It's basically a really nice upgrade that brings everything that's needed to do broader deployments, including the Wi-Fi performance, the security stuff that everybody needs, the latest operating system, and a much nicer processor. And what would be, if people are wondering, what would the differences would be between, say, these, the Blade 2, and the the shield that you announced earlier. Yes. The shield has an eight core processor in it. So it's a lot beefier than what this one is, frankly. Um, the shield, I think from, from my, from my perspective, the shield has a much sexier front end look and feel to it. The shield has unfortunately only monochrome displays in it. This is full color. And there's applications that just require full color in order to work. So, you know, if you if you need a good performing, reasonably good looking pair of smart glasses, Blade 2 is a, is a good way to go. The shield is stereoscopic. So there's left and right eye imagery. But again, it's monochromatic. Many applications monochromatic works fine for, you know, warehouse picking, things that you just need information, you know, information display. Monochrome can work phenomenally well. Some applications require full color in your pharmaceuticals and you need to know the color of the pH tests and those kinds of things. And you know, you, you just need to have that full color performance in the glasses themselves. So it's really a function of what you do, the application that they're being used in, et cetera. Blade 2 and Shield both are running brand new um, operating systems up to 11 anyway, the latest Qualcomm chipsets. So they're both running state-of-the-art stuff now. Well, tell us about the market for smart glasses today, where things are and chiefly what they're being used for. I know there are a pretty wide variety of things, but give us an overview. There's really four vertical markets that seem to be the most aggressive markets right now, the ones that are growing the fastest. Remote support, um, 
you know, the whole idea of I'm in the field and I need help fixing this giant piece of equipment. And so today I pick my phone up and I make a phone call and I'm going back and forth with an expert that's sitting someplace in an air conditioned office. With the glasses on, you can do that live. The camera's pointed at the work. It's a back and forth situation. So the expert can see what I'm seeing and literally draw on the screen in front of me to help me, whatever it might need to be to set the torque wrench to the right specs, to cut the right wire first, you know, those kinds of things. So remote support is a big one in the medical space it's a similar kind of an application where it's remote support but in this particular case you have a doctor he needs the med tech to help him with using the right tool or the right size instrument in order to get the particular job done the med tech doesn't have to be at the hospital anymore to do that the other thing that can happen is <clears throat> that doctor can be an expert and with our glasses on he can stream hd video from his personal perspective, his point of view. So if you want 500 people to learn how to do this open heart surgery with our glasses on, the doctor can share all of that and teach all day long. So they're great teaching tools, remote support kinds of stuff. Um, we're in hospitals around the world today. I mean, there's probably not an hour of the day that goes by where our smart glasses aren't being used in some, in some medical um, operating theater. In fact, including even in in Ukraine right now, there we've donated, I think, 20 or 30 systems, and they're in the hospitals where blunt trauma kinds of things might need to have support from experts from folks like Ohana One and the likes. So there's there's medical, there's the remote support that I just mentioned. Um, and then there's the whole supply chain side of the business. And we work with companies like Amazon right now, they're using our glasses, we made a special SKU just for them the equipment that they have in their distribution centers, you know, robotic based systems and picking systems and the like, they're complicated. And to keep all that stuff operational, they use our glasses as the glasses for the support and the technician working on that equipment because it gives them instant access to step one, step two, step three for maintenance and, you know, those kinds of things. So Amazon is just getting started. They're in a bunch of warehouses. And like I said, they have their own SKU with their own software build on it. Uh, the, built to the specs and the, the, the content that they needed, the applications that they needed. Um, there's a bunch of other retailers, large ones, that are using them in distribution centers and in warehouses for picking and or packing things like um, pallets and the likes. You might imagine you're a pallet packing person and first of all, that's not that's a job with a lot of high turnover. So there's lots of training that has to be done. Every time a new person comes on board, they got to learn how to pack a pallet right. Packing a pallet has some very unique challenges. If it doesn't get packed right, the cornflakes boxes that get put on the bottom show up at the store all busted up and nobody buys those boxes, right? So you have to teach the person how to do this packing and it can take months to learn how to do that well. With our glasses on and an AI engine running, it literally shows a brand new person exactly how to pack the pallet as he's picking up the boxes and, and packing the pallet. So it's really good for onboarding, for training. In these distribution centers, they're using them to actually do the pack out. And it happens that you can train an individual much, much faster. So onboarding, training, warehousing, supply and logistics, those are the kinds of applications right now that seem to be the fastest growing. And it would seem that one of the issues that you've had to tackle like anything else uh, today has been battery life. How, how have you accomplished what, what you needed to to make these really usable out in the field? 
Well, the Blade 2, as an example, I mean, the processors, the smaller the process nodes the silicon get built on, the more they can do with the less power that they draw, right? I mean, that's just the nature of silicon these days. So there's been a lot going on in that front. The way the software gets written um, will determine a lot on how much power you're going to consume. An example with an Apple Watch, right? I mean, they recommend that you don't turn every single pixel on, you keep black screens in the background and all of that is just to minimize the amount of lights that are turned on consuming power on the watch. We do very similar kinds of things with our glasses. That said, we put enough power in the glasses system so that you can do an eight hour shift. If you have super long shifts or you're doing super heavy duty stuff, we have belt pack batteries that you can augment the power supply systems in our glasses. That's what's cool about Vuzix's products. They're smart glasses, they're lightweight. There's a really good balance to power in day long use time. It takes a long time to get all that right. Uh, so there's all that stuff that's going on. I will say that in the long run, <clears throat> what's happening is Musics has this micro LED technology. Uh, the Shield uses it in point of fact. And what's nice there, it's just like the Apple Watch. When you don't turn a pixel on, you're not drawing any power out of that pixel. Most of the display systems today don't operate that way in smart glasses. They're, they're all on, they're, every single pixel's on all the time because they're these front lit projection style displays and there's just no way to shut off any given pixel sort of just throwing the light away that's on the surface of it and that is a power hog problem some of the newer stuff that we're doing it's, it's amazing to me literally we have a, a pair of glasses in the back you can put them on and you know the language translation app that i think google showed at google io with the pair of smart glasses that <laughs> prototype kinds of things um, these glasses can can do that for days on end with with the batteries that are there. And if you saw them, they're just they're just amazing. So the technology, the power consumption, the micro LED disp displays that go with the waveguides, efficiency improvements, and the way you manage the battery systems itself within the glasses and how the system level approach is taken is sort of all the things that Vuzix does to try to improve power and performance on battery life. What are some of the more unique ways that the uh, smart glasses are being used today? Well, I think this language translation, this whole communications thing that's coming, that, that Google did at Google I.O., it's going to be, I think that's a huge application that's right around the corner. Um, the, the ones that amaze me right now is, is how much in the medical space our glasses are being used to save lives. I, to me, that's, it's, First of all, we didn't design our glasses for that environment. Kodak, excuse me, COVID drove that to happen because there was no way hospitals could operate without having a remote connectivity into the hospital. And that just accelerated the use of smart glasses in that space. And it, it amazes me and it excites me that our glasses are being used there. They're not just being used for that remote kind of thing. They're being used literally for operations on knee surgery companies like Medacta and Pixie Medical. Our glasses are an integral part of the operation. Before they put the screws in a person's knee, the glasses look at the setup of the mechanical mechanisms that are instrumented on the person's knee, confirms that they're in the right place before the screws are put in. And the glasses are a fundamental part of the operation. It's amazing. It's it's augmented reality. It's best, right? You've got the glasses. They're looking into the real world. They're measuring things. They're showing the doctor exactly where they are in space. And that closes the loop where the real world and the virtual space come together. 
It's like the metaverse coming to life. And that's where it's going to start to get really exciting, I think, over the next couple, three years. Yeah, we hear so much uh, these days about the metaverse. It's maybe being overused, perhaps. And, and AR, what are your thoughts about what's here and what's to come and, and how that's going to change the way we do things, change, uh, change the every, our everyday lives? Yeah, there's kind of two ways of looking at the metaverse. There's the virtual metaverse that you'll go into with a VR headset on and you'll step inside that space and you'll be in that space. And, you know, there's limits to what you can do there. Although in some ways it's limitless in that, you know, if you can think it, you can invent it and build it in the virtual space, right? Almost anything could exist there, but it's lonely from the perspective of, touching things and seeing them and like they're not really real, even though they're convincing from a visual perspective. So there's limits to what you can do in the virtual space, but virtual means just like we're meeting right now virtually, Fred. I mean, that's gonna be a, a big part of the metaverse. And in fact, you could say we're conversing over the metaverse now, right? That said, it really gets exciting when the metaverse can come into the real world and be part of everyday things that happen. A simple example, I use it all the time, is uh, Pokemon Go, right? You've got your phone out, you're pointing it down the street and you can see the Pokemon Go character, you know, sitting down there in the middle of the field in front of you. Well, that, that Pokemon Go character is actually really in the metaverse, in a virtual spot right there, which is coordinates in a database of stuff, right? But the phone knows where you're standing in space and it knows where the camera is looking. So it can take the metaverse's character, Pokemon Go character, and put it in the real world through the phone. Glasses are going to make this seamless. So, you know, you're at the football game and you've got that first yard down line on the football field and you've got mascots and stuff and none of it's real when you have your glasses on in the football stadium kind of thing that's the future of where this is all going and it's exciting for entertainment but it's going to be part of everything you walk into the plant floor you're fixing street uh, power systems and the likes so you got the glasses on and all of the virtual version of those things are connected back to the real world through these glasses helping you diagnose fix save lives, present accidents, whatever. It's going to be in every part of life. What's the role that you envision for Vuzics yes. in that world? It is not easy to make sexy glasses. I mean, it's, that, it's a really hard proposition. I mean, you hear guys like Zuckerberg talk about it. You know, the waveguides are a really difficult thing to get right. They're hard to produce in volume the display systems that can shrink down small enough to actually drive these beautiful visions for the future. Um, they're all difficult to do. And music for the last 25 years has been working on exactly those, those, those devices. We manufacture waveguides here in Rochester, New York. We have a plant that we're, we're, we're effectively about ready to open up a brand new facility behind the one we're in today that is gonna have a, uh, an extended, um, manufacturing facilities specific just to our waveguides. We can do them in high volume at very good cost-effective prices, which is a fundamental problem today. You know, when you when a waveguide costs one or 200 bucks a piece and you need two of them for a binocular system, cost of goods at 
two to 400 bucks right out of the gates and you don't have anything else in it yet, that's a big problem and impediment to mass broader acceptance of these devices. So Vuzix is going to be, we have an OEM division now at Vuzix. We're supplying, we, in fact, we mentioned um, L3 Harris relationship that we're working with L3 Harris supplying waveguides into some of their head mounted display programs for the US defense markets. There's six or seven other companies in the defense space that are doing the same thing with Vuzix today. They're buying waveguides from us. And then in the broader markets, there's a bunch of companies that are coming to Vuzix and we're supplying systems to them that it looks like they should be rolling out in their volume programs here over the next two to three years, which I can't get into details on, but uh, enough to say that Vuzix has an OEM division that's gonna be suppliers of some of the key components to the broader markets. Interesting. Well, with the products that that you have, the new Vuzix Blade 2 and, and, and the Shield, tell us about availability and, and pricing. Yes. So the Blade 2, I think, is $12.99. It's available now. We're just starting to ship to some of our channel partners. Uh, September will be probably more the official rollout where you'll start to be able to buy them off of Vuzix store. Um, so September, effectively. It's, which is right around the corner. <laughs> uh, even though I don't have one in my office with me right now, they exist, they're in boxes and they're getting ready and or going out the door as we speak. The Shield, it's gonna be sometime I think in October, knock on wood. Uh, there's supply chain problems. I mean, as you know, China closes down this city, then that city, then this city. And we source things like flexes and some parts and stuff that are unique out of Asia. And that has caused some glitches and some time frame extensions. But I think we're over all of that now. It's all coming together. So both of those products, way before the end of this year, they'll be both shipping. One literally now, effectively, and the other one a month plus a little bit away. And what about uh, the applications, the availability of applications that take advantage of this? What should people know? I mean, there are standard things like Zoom that will work on, on them, right? Yep. Zoom, Teams. I mean, practically every single one of these social communication tools like the Zoom call that we're on now, they work just with the glasses. I could put the glasses on, I could join this call, right? I could walk around the office here and it'd be like you were walking, standing next to me, taking a tour of the office with me, just with a standard Zoom call. We There's also companies that make custom versions of a Zoom, but it's for remote support. And what happens there is, Literally, I can draw on my screen here of your view if you were wearing my glasses. And when I drew a circle around the red wire, you'd see that circle around the red wire you were looking at. So you knew that was the wire you had to cut as opposed to the blue one, which you know might set the bomb off <laughs> kind of a thing, right? So that there is, this is the neat thing about smart glasses. Five years ago, there was a bunch of software that were just getting started. There were challenges. And if you wanted to try to deploy it in an organization, you needed half a million dollars worth of development monies just to get the software up and operational so that you could bring it on board within that organization for that particular application. It's not the case anymore. There's a bunch of applications that are off the shelf. They just work with the smart classes. So if you want to do this remote support thing, you know, from music for $49 a year, you get a Zoom connector and you're done. So you buy our glasses, you got the Zoom connector, you're up and operational immediately. Plug and play, which is great. Things like in a warehouse distribution, 
center where you're packing a pallet. It's a little more complicated, right? Because it's really dependent upon a database of stuff. Each and every single one of the items that gets packed on that pallet, the software needs to know what it is, needs to know its dimensions, yada, 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 right? So there's more effort that goes into those, but when they're finally done, and by the way, they're based upon software that exists today already that's being deployed in warehousing situations. It's just now able to be modified to come up to speed to do those kinds of applications. And so there's a pile of stuff that's off the shelf today that just makes this stuff work, which is really the basis behind our business. The glasses don't do much without software. Very exciting. The website for more information is vuzix.com, V-U-Z-I-X.com. Paul Travers, thank you so much for spending time with us. Yeah, Fred, it was a pleasure again. Thank you. Now this. It takes a lot of listening to build a better radio, and that's just what the folks at Sea Crane have done. Bob Crane and his crew, nestled among the rivers and tallest trees in the world in Fortuna, California, have made a habit of listening to their customers, and that's just what they've done in building the CC Skywave SSB, the Swiss Army knife of portable radios. For everyday listening to AM or FM in the yard or patio or on the nightstand, Without having to drain a mobile phone battery, it's a great companion. But it is also a companion equipped for NOAA weather information and alerts that can be life-saving. You can listen to FEMA and Coast Guard transmissions too. Beyond all of that, you can tune into shortwave signals from around the world. It's compact, easy to take with you, and built to last. The CC SkyWave SSB. Click on the link at textonation.com.